welcome to Inside the BACB, the official podcast of the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Inside the BACB. I'm Dr. Sarah Jenkins, the Certification Resource Manager at the BACB, and I'm joined by Rachel Ulrich, the Director of Certification Services. Hi there. This episode is part of a series about the RBT certification for RBTs and applicants. Today we're talking about RBT supervision. Should we get started? Let's do it. Okay, so let's start by talking about supervision requirements to maintain RBT certification. These include being supervised for a minimum of 5% of the total hours RBTs provide direct services to clients each month. The supervision must include at least one direct observation of the RBT providing services to clients. And additionally, the RBT needs a supervisor on file, which could be a responsible supervisor or requirements coordinator. This individual must be listed on the BACB registry and oversees the RBT's compliance with the requirements. That's right. And the RBT can always look up their name in the BACB registry to check who's listed as their supervisor. So one thing to keep in mind is if no one is listed, their certification is actually considered inactive and they can't practice or bill as an RBT. All right. Good to know. So now that we've reviewed the requirements, can you describe the differences in responsibility for these two individuals, the RBT versus the supervisor? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In terms of responsibility for requirements compliance, the RBT would be responsible for knowing when their RBT renewal is due and communicating that date to their supervisor. They should also be tracking supervision throughout each month and related documentation. And it's not a requirement, but from a professional development standpoint, RBTs are encouraged to advocate for themselves if they need additional support. Now from the supervisor, they would be responsible for completing or signing off on the competency assessment, reviewing the RBT's supervision documentation and keeping a copy for records. Also, and most importantly, providing sufficient training, supervision and client oversight. Okay, so clearly supervision is a vital part of being and maintaining RBT certification, hence this podcast. But can you talk about why it's so important for RBTs to receive this ongoing supervision? Sure. I mean, there's so many reasons why we have ongoing supervision as a requirement for RBTs to maintain their certification, but mainly two reasons. One, to help the RBT continue to improve their behavioralytic skill set, and two, to facilitate high-quality service delivery for their clients. And I want to elaborate on the facilitating high-quality services part of supervision. So ongoing supervision allows an RBT supervisor to identify next steps for their client's treatment plan and then train the RBT on how to implement those changes. I actually imagine it could be a relief for the RBT that they only need to implement what they are trained to do, and then it puts the accountability for client progress on the supervisor because the supervisor is the one who is the behavior analyst. They're the one with the training and the education to make those really important treatment decisions. Yeah, I agree. Ongoing supervision is also a way to monitor the treatment integrity. So the degree to which a treatment plan or programming is implemented as written and is crucial for client success. So if in treatment integrity is low, meaning a program or component of the treatment plan is not implemented as intended, the supervisor would then have the opportunity to work with the RBT on necessary next steps to improve implementation. And then ongoing supervision is also an important opportunity for the supervisor to provide support and guidance to help the RBT understand their role as an RBT and to ensure they're practicing within their scope of competence. Yes, I think that's a really great reminder I know this can come up, especially when there are multiple people involved, let's say a speech therapist, maybe an occupational therapist, 
and they're all working with the same client. So it might get confusing what the role of the RBT is. Yeah, it could be. And the important thing for the RBT and other providers to remember is that the RBT should only be trained and expected to implement behavior analytic intervention strategies. All other treatment strategies should be implemented by the other providers competent in those areas. Similarly, if a client's caregiver asks the RBT questions about the client's programming, the RBT should refer the caregiver to the BCBA or BCABA who's managing the case because they're the ones that has the expertise to comment on programmatic changes and the next steps for that client. Gotcha. Yep. Perfect reminders. And actually a really great segue to talk about what oversight of service delivery versus certification looks like. So can you provide some distinctions of the differences between those? Yeah, sure. So when we're talking about oversight of service delivery, we're usually referring to a BCBA or BCABA who manages cases and supervises the RBTs who are working directly with the clients on their caseload. In this situation, the supervisor is identifying and monitoring client progress and training all behavior analytic providers on how to implement specific procedures. Okay, so for a situation like this, the BCBA or BCABA, they would be the go-to if the RBT had questions. Yes, so if the RBT has questions about how to implement a program or needs to share successes or concerns with the client, they should speak directly with the RBT supervisor. Especially when it comes to service delivery, if the RBT doesn't feel confident with how therapy is going, either with their own skill set working with the client, or maybe they've observed minimal client progress, they need to bring this feedback to their supervisor, and they need to be not only an advocate for themselves, but for the client as well. So are these conversations happening during service delivery? I mean, in many cases, yes. Um, you know, during observations where the RBT supervisor and RBT are present with the client, the supervisor will watch how the RBT interacts with the client and provide feedback and training as needed. And I can imagine for the RBT, it might be easier to show the supervisor how a client is responding during a specific program because it's maybe easier to do that than describing it in an email. But supervisors need to maintain a delicate balance between providing the RBT with feedback on their performance while also maintaining client dignity. That being said, it might be helpful for the RBT and the supervisor to talk one-on-one after the session if more information needs to be discussed. Yes, I really like that you mentioned the importance of client dignity and keeping the conversations professional when it occurs during a client session. Sometimes in the hustle of a clinical setting, providers might not immediately think about that. So do RBTs usually work with multiple BCBAs or BCABAs? They can. An RBT may have several RBT supervisors because they work on cases that are managed by multiple BCBAs or BCABAs. Um, When it comes to clinical or practical questions related to a client, the RBT should speak directly with the BCBA or BCABA who's managing that particular case. If the RBT has a general question, they could ask any of their RBT supervisors. Okay, Um, so we have service delivery covered. What other supervision activities might an RBT have with a supervisor for oversight of their certification? Um, RBTs might have one-on-one meetings with their supervisors. Um, These can be with the RBT supervisor or the requirements coordinator outside of when the RBT is working with clients. And these meetings are a great opportunity to talk about their overall experiences and how to be their own advocate. The RBT could also discuss their professional goals, ask questions about ethics, provide insight on how service delivery is going in general, things like that. 
Oh, I really like that you emphasize the importance of an RBT being an advocate. It's such a valuable professional and personal skill. Yes, and it's such an important part of the supervisory relationship. The RBT does need to take responsibility for their own certification, and the way that they can do this is advocate for more training and growth opportunities. And feedback really should be considered a two-way street. So if the RBT has feedback about their experience being supervised, they should really share that with their supervisor. Yeah, fair enough. So before we move on, you mentioned a supervisor could be a requirements coordinator. What exactly is that role? Yeah, a requirements coordinator monitors the overall compliance with the requirements when RBTs provide services to clients across multiple BCBAs or BCABAs caseloads at a single organization. So some requirements coordinators may also provide supervision, but many just serve as the organization's kind of compliance officer for RBT supervision rules and standards. Cool. All right. Well, so thanks for that clarification. Is there any situation, let's say, where an RBT wouldn't need an RBT supervisor providing oversight? No. All RBTs must be receiving supervision and have an active BCBA or BCABA listed in the BACB registry in order to provide ABA services. So if their supervisor leaves the company and that individual was their designated supervisor, another BCBA or BCABA would need to add that RBT as a supervisee before the RBT can continue providing services. Okay, yeah, definitely good to know and good to check up on too. Is there anything else you think listeners should know about the supervision requirements? Just that they're minimum. So if a supervisor or requirements coordinator wants to provide supervision above the 5% for the given month, that's okay. And it'll likely be to the benefit of the RBT and ultimately the client. Agreed. Awesome. All right, let's switch gears a little and talk more specifically about the requirement for tracking ongoing supervision. What's the purpose of that activity? Yeah, tracking supervision is important because it helps ensure that RBT receives a sufficient amount of supervision each month to meet that maintenance requirement. So ideally, the hours are tracked and reviewed throughout the month with their supervisor so that they have time to increase supervision if needed. Okay, so the RBT tracks their supervision. Should the supervisors do that as well? Yes, anyone involved in supervision should be documenting the oversight activities in the event of an audit. So the RBT and their supervisors should each have a copy of when and how much supervision occurred each month. If there was a month in which the supervisor didn't provide supervision because the RBT did not provide any services, that should also be noted in the tracking system so it's super clear why the RBT doesn't have any hours on record. This will make it easier for the RBT to determine if they were in compliance when it comes time for renewal and or an audit, which could be months or even years later. Okay, and for those who are not familiar with the audit process, could you describe that? The audit for RBTs involves verifying that an RBT received the minimum supervision during a specified period of time. So for the audit, the BACB notifies both the RBT and the supervisors on record. After they submit the materials, the BACB reviews the documentation, and based on the information submitted, they provide feedback to the RBT and the supervisor on record. It's important to note that there is a potential for an RBT to lose their certification if they are substantially out of compliance, and that there are some ethical implications for the supervisor in those situations, too. Yikes. So clearly, it's worth spending some time tracking hours accurately. Agreed. 
All right, so we've covered a lot of things so far. Why ongoing supervision is important for RBTs, as well as the requirements and how they might be implemented in a clinical or other applied setting. But let's spend our last few minutes talking about the RBT's experience and how they might need or want to advocate for themselves in terms of the supervision they receive. Let's start from someone who is being hired. What can an RBT or a technician looking to become an RBT do to help ensure they're selecting a supportive setting? Yeah, when an RBT is searching for jobs and going through the interview process, they should ask the company what their policies are around supervision. So, for example, they should ask how frequently does the supervisor observe services in person? Are there regularly scheduled one-on-one -on -one meetings with their supervisor? You know, if the RBT has questions, clinical or professional, what's kind of the chain of command for them to get those answers? And with these questions, they're trying to gauge if the company has systems in place to help support the professional development of their RBTs who are usually considered the heart and soul of an agency. So ideally, the answers should give them the proverbial warm and fuzzies. I really like those questions to ask. Now, what if an RBT is already at a service organization? What kinds of check-in questions could help them identify when and how to advocate for themselves regarding the supervision they're already receiving. I think one of the biggest questions an RBT should ask themselves is if they feel they are doing something meaningful or similarly, is the client benefiting from the services that they're providing? If the answer is no, they should speak with their supervisor about why that might be. Maybe receiving training on a new skill or additional support with implementation might help to address those feelings. and. You know, RBTs have very important, sometimes difficult jobs in the area of service delivery. So when they're not feeling confident about the impact they're having with their clients or their own professional development, that can really impact their job satisfaction. Oh, these are really helpful things for RBTs and applicants to think about and actually a perfect way to end our podcast. So I want to thank you, Rachel, for joining me today and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We hope you'll check out other episodes in this RBT series. Thank you for listening to Inside the BACB. Don't miss future episodes. Subscribe now.